Amen. Has God been good to you? God has been good to me. I'm going to do a little Justin this morning. I learned some stuff last night by being here. You know, this is not normal. You know, I've, I've, um, I've been ministering to your youth in this church for, for a few years. And um, so if I talk over your head this morning, I completely understand. Um, so, but you know, this morning, um, you know, I'm just going to share, I'm going to share a little bit of my testimony, my wife's testimony, and, and where God has brought us from, from one place to another. And God has done some incredible things in our lives. And, um, you know, there, we, we have an awesome pastor. How many guys can say amen to that? So, you know, it, for me, it's like, my God, what could I possibly say that he hasn't already said? Because he knows the word and he lives the word. And he's a great example to us of if you will take the word of God and you apply it to your life, that this is the life result that you get. And so that's what I've done. So today, what I'm going to do is I'm just going to be a witness and a testimony to the fact that the Word of God that our pastor preaches, if you will take it and you will apply it to your life, this, one of the first scriptures that he ever taught me years and years and years ago, I've been, I've been sitting underneath Pastor Tom for about 15 years now, and, and I've never left a service where I thought, man, my pastor just missed it today. Never. Never. It's always right on. It's always, he can hear God. And he's taught me how to do the same thing. And so, but one of the first scriptures that ever taught me was in Mark 4, 24. How many of you guys know that? Do you remember that? The measure of thought and study you put into the truth you hear is the measure of virtue and knowledge that's going to come back to you. That's the part that's going to be effective in your life. We can listen to pastor every week. And, and if, if you just come in here and listen and you don't go home and examine it and think about it and meditate on it, it really doesn't. It's not going to impact your life. It's not. I've been in that place. And here at the beginning of the year, how many of you guys made some commitments to God? It's something we do every year. We fast and we make some commitments to God. And um, this year I made some commitments to God. And, and is, is, to me it just sounds really dumb. But the commitment that I made to God was that I was just going to, God, I'm going to increase my time in your word. I'm going to take your word, and, I, and I, I commit to you that I'm going to get committed to your word. And God has begun to change me from the inside out. God's working. He's doing something in here that I remember back when I gave my life to God. This, the same thing is beginning to burn in me, and I've been talking to God about it for the last year, so it's like, God, you know, I, I feel like I've gotten complacent. I feel like I've I'm just, I'm just living this church life. I'm just, I'm just, I'm in this thing. And, and where's the fire? Where's the, you know, when you really changed my life, when you really rescued me, you know, where is that excitement? And where is that, that fire that needs to be in my heart? And he's begin to do that. And so what I'm going to do with you this morning, I'm just going to walk you through uh, a little bit of my life. And, and just, and hopefully this is going to give you some hope that maybe you have some family that you're, you're praying about, that, God's, you know, that God would change their lives and that God would, would turn their life around. Or, or maybe you're going through some stuff in your life, and, and hopefully my life can give you hope that you know what, there is a big God who's got a great purpose and a plan for your life. And, there, and you can't mess it up because once you turn, 
and look at God. He's going to do what he promised he would do. So, you know, I was, um, like he said, I was raised in Wyoming, but, but I, was, I was born in Idaho and moved to, to Tucson, Arizona. And so as a little kid, I was raised in Tucson, Arizona. And, and I had a mom that was, um, she's been saved since she was seven years old. I don't think she's ever cussed. She's never cussed, drank. Um, I, she's probably never cheated in a game. I mean, she's like, I call her the church lady. You know, because she was, she, she's had a heart for God, um, and, and she's just tried to serve God her whole life. I had a dad who, who wasn't really serving God, but was a real morally good man. Taught you to work hard. Uh, there was four rules in my house as a kid growing up. You don't lie, you don't steal, you don't cheat, and you don't ta- talk back to your mama. And if you did any of those things, I come from the old school of discipline. He would put a boot on your butt. You did those things. Or if you lied or stole, he'd put a razor strap on your butt. And nowadays, we, we don't raise kids like that. And, you know, and I work with a lot of your teenagers in here, and, and I was thinking about this, and I was thinking, you know what? A little boot on the butt is not a bad thing. You probably shouldn't do it in public. But, I, you know, th- I think that there's a real mix here. You know, back when I was growing up, I wish my dad would have spent a little more time talking to me instead of just kicking my butt. But it was effective. You know, I didn't talk back to my dad. He didn't, just like Pastor said, my dad did not ask me to do anything. He said, this is what you're going to do. And I did it then. I didn't do it later. I did it then. So that's kind of the, you know, I was raised in, in that kind of, uh, of a home. But I was also a drug baby. Because my mama drugged me to church every time the doors was open. She could have been the pastor of that church because she was there more than he was. I mean, she was like, like she's up into the church thing. And so growing up in church, um, you know, she played the piano. You know, she was the piano lady, the organ lady, um, and she taught me how to sing. So as a little boy, I was singing with my mama playing the piano. And so I was raised in the church life. I was raised, um, I was raised in Assembly of God. And I don't have nothing against Assembly of God if you have been Assembly of God. Right on. But... But I was raised in Assembly of God Church, and um, but somewhere in all that, uh, I never got to know who God was. So I went through life, never got in any trouble, none, as a kid growing up. About the age of 17, um, I got a truck, and that gave me freedom. And I began to do things that I shouldn't do, and I began to get into partying, I began to get into drinking, and I was still going to church at the same time. I was still a leader in my youth group and, and uh, still singing in church. Um, at the age of 18, that's when, that's when I met my awesome wife. And, um, oh, yeah, that's right. I need to specify that. In Wyoming, you know, that's just a saying. Men are the men and so are the women. So my wife came from Texas. <laughs> so she was just visiting. She was just, God had just brought her through so that she could meet me. That's what I believe. So... But, um, but when I met my wife, um, my youth pastor had actually been ministering to her because she was into Mormonism. And she had been waiting uh, for a guy that was on his mission. And that all didn't work out. And so God rescued my wife, and he gave her me. So she's blessed now. And, um, but see, she met me in church. And, and this is the thing that, you know, 
and, and I know that it's a challenge for all of us. You know, I knew how to be a Christian in church, and I knew how to play church, and I knew what to look like, and I knew what to say, and I knew how to sing, and I could raise my hands, and I could do all that stuff. But in here, there was no relationship with God. In here, there was not an understanding of who God was and what, that he had a purpose and a plan for my life. So, so I met my wife, and, and I'm singing, and, and she asked me out, by the way. That's right. She asked me out. Um, but I met my wife, and she really thought that I was, I was a, a, a man of God, that I was, that I was serving God, but I was, I was faking her out. I was faking everybody out except for me and except for God. And um, so somehow in this relationship that, that we began to build, um, my wife got pregnant. And I didn't have nothing to do with that. I just want you guys to know that. Um, but it, what it did is it, 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 it made me mad at God. Because I had really the, the, the fact that, um, that I really wasn't serving him the way I should, it, it, it was catching up to me. The things were starting to catch up to me. And not that it was, I mean, now I can look back at it and I'm a blessed man. We've been married for 27 years now. For 27 years, that's a long, you know, she always says, my mama raised me for the first 18 and she's raised me for the rest. And she did a way better job. And um, so, so I met my wife and, and at that point, you know, I was beginning to dabble into things in life that I, that I shouldn't be doing and I was mad at God. And so here's this Christian kid that grew up in a Christian home, somewhat Christian home, and, but had good moral values, but did not know who God was. And so I began to drink, and I began to get into drugs, and I began to get into alcohol. And our marriage um, struggled from that. And by the age of 22, 23, we had three kids. And um, when I could get to work, I worked hard. But getting to work when you live in that kind of lifestyle was tough. And uh, so I began to, um, to sell drugs, um, in and out of jail. Um, the way that we got to Tri-Cities was because of that. We, I was living in, in, we were living in Oklahoma. We were young. I was working construction. And I had left Wyoming where they had been trying to set me up for dealing drugs in Wyoming. Well, I moved. So went to California, couldn't hold a job there because I couldn't get to work because I was so strung out. And so came to Tri-Cities because my mom had moved here, and, and I, I needed my mama because my life was, was not good. I didn't have no place else to go. So I brought my family up here um, and, and got thrown in jail while I was here. And so through that, I got extradited back to Wyoming and, and had to go through the whole process through the courts and jail and spend a little time in prison and did some, you know, you you pave a road that you sometimes you gotta you gotta serve out the consequences of it, and um, so Kelly got stuck here basically, and so she began to to uh, to raise my kids and raise my family and, without me, and um, um, but she was believing God for for my salvation this whole time because she knew that the man that she had met was the real guy. I mean, because really in my heart I really wanted to serve God, but somewhere along the the road just you know didn't make the decision, didn't know who God was. So she's stuck here. I'm in Wyoming. I go through the whole process, and I finally uh, I get out of jail and all that. And, you know, th- that didn't change anything. Still didn't change anything. Got, got out of jail there, got right back into drugs, alcohol. Came up here. Drugs in, in Washington then and in Pasco was way more plentiful than it was in Wyoming. 
big, just, you know, this place is kind of a hub. So it got deeper and deeper into drugs here. And um, my life was absolutely a complete spiral. There are some people in here that, um, that my wife's known for probably about 20 years, and they know who I was before Christ, and they know who I am now that God's got control of my life. And they can testify that there was, it was not good. They were, they were telling my wife, you know, you need to move on because this guy's, you know, there is no hope for him. And this is people in the church telling, you know, you really, there is no hope. And, and, but she would set the table at night. She would set the table when the, her and the kids would sit around and, and, and eat dinner. She'd set the table and say, you know, I'm believing God for uh, my children. So we went through some of that stuff, and, and through that, we got separated. I ended up leaving, leaving my family behind, and it was for three years. A lot of people don't realize that, but Kelly and I were separated for three years. Um, amazing, amazing God. Because in that three years, um, she'd worked on divorcing me a little bit, and, and right at the end of uh, around 1990, I had been served with the divorce papers, and she'd finally felt that God had released her um, from our marriage. And... Um, so, for what, you know, whatever reason, I never even read the divorce papers. I'd just throw them in the garbage. I didn't spend no time. I just, you know, I didn't care. And um, deep inside I did, but didn't know how to fix it. And um, so in uh, probably February of 1990, and this is, this is Todd life, um, I was living in Benton City in a 32-foot fifth wheel driving a Ford Pinto station wagon in Green Acres Mobile Home Park. If you guys, if you guys, if you go to Ben City, you know where Green Acres is at? Barbara knows. She lives right down there. No, not quite that far. She lives, she lives up on the hill. Sorry. Not really. Barbara, she doesn't really live down there. Um, but she lives in the vicinity. <laughs> but anyhow, so, so here I am. You know, I'm 25 years old. So from the age of about 16 to the age of, of, um, 25, I mean, my life just, I was doing life Todd's way instead of doing life God's way. And then so at the age of 25, something in me, I, I began to look around just in the natural, just looking around and, and looking at young people, you know, 22, 23 years, three years old, they had went through college. You know, they had jobs, like regular jobs. Um, they had cars. They, you know, they were doing something with their life. And here I am, I'm at 25 years old and I have a wife that I haven't seen in over a year because we're separated this time. I have kids, or we had a few conversations. I had kids that I hadn't hardly even seen in a year, and they're little. And, um, and you know, I really fought with God about telling you guys this because I don't want people to know this about me. But, um, you know, I was just a loser. But even in that, there was, just, there was one night where I was finally just broken. And I just said, and, and drunk. So I don't care what kind of state you've been in or what you're in. God can work through any of it. But I laid on my bed one night and I said, God. And I meant it. I'd said it many times. I'd been in jail and said, God, if you'll get me out of jail, you know, I'll serve you. And I'd get out of jail and it didn't matter. But this time, you know, when God, when, when, when your heart's true, God knows it. And so do you. And that night there in 1990, uh, I'm laying in my beautiful, spacious, 32-foot fifth wheel, living with uh, my girlfriend who I absolutely hated. I hated her. Because I hated my life. And, um, and I said, God, if you will get me out of this mess that I've created and that I'm in, 
I will serve you the rest of my life. And man, I meant it. And when I meant it, God knew. When there was, there was something that had changed in my heart. And I really believe it was the prayers of my mother. It was the prayers of my wife. And it was the prayers of some of the people that, that we're still connected to in church life that go to this house that were praying that God would touch my life. So in 1990, I went to a... Uh, a ranch out in Mabton, Washington. It was called First Love Ministries. And uh, went out there and and just decided, you know what, all right, God. So it was just through some stuff and got to go out to this ranch. And um, so I'm 25 years old, and you make a year commitment to go to this ranch. So you got one year. So I said, all right, God, I will give you one year of my life. I messed up the first 25, but I'm giving you one to fix it. And, and if you can use me, then, then here we go. But what I did is I made a commitment to God that, that I would do, I would follow the rules because I'd never followed the rules. You know, I, I, I thought rules were meant to break. It was just something to, just to, I don't know, to irritate me. But so I decided, you know what, God, I'm going to follow the rules. I'm going to follow the rules that these people lay out for me as long as it's not something weird or goofy. You know, you guys remember back when the people drank the Kool-Aid? You know, they were over in Guyana, and, the, you know, they followed that guy and all that stuff. And so, God, I will do anything as long as they don't want me to drink Kool-Aid. So, so you know, I made a commitment to God. And then there was another thing that, um, and I, f- I forgot to share this last night, but it was, it was key. Um, you know, I quit arguing, quit fighting, and I just did whatever they told me to do. And then the other thing that I'd always heard my whole life, you need to read your word every day. You need to read your word every day. How many of you guys have heard that before? Been hearing it my whole life. <clears throat> so I knew it was, I knew there must be something to it. So I said, all right, God, I'm going to read my Bible every day. I will make a commitment. I'll follow the rules, read my Bible every day. So I began this life on this ranch. And, and when I first uh, got there, they put me in with the pigs. I got to work with pigs. How many of you guys have worked with pigs before? That's a mess. And they, what they were doing, but they were also raising pigs and breeding them. And so, and then they would sell the pigs and take them to uh, the farmer to the sale in Sunnyside. And um, so I got my first experience of fixing baby pigs. I mean, fixing baby pigs, you know what I'm saying? And, and that was not, you know, I, that was, man, they squeal. So I, so I, so I did a little time uh, working with the pigs. Then, then I graduated and I got to work with the cows and they would go to the dairies, and they would bring these cows back and put them in little hutches, and we'd feed them with a bottle. And, and they'd get sick, and oh, it was nasty. So I did this, and, and, but through that, you know, we were there. We would have Bible studies, and, and I just began to allow God. And, I, and, and this is the thing is I, I kept that commitment to God that I would read my Bible every day. And the thing was I watched hundreds of people go through that system Uh. While I was there, we ended up being there for three years. I stayed on for a year and, and just felt like God wanted me to, to do something with my life. So I stayed on another two years. And, and through that, um, within the six months that I first got there, Kelly decided not to divorce me. And so God, she began to come out and visit me. And, and she could see that God was actually really doing something in my life. And that maybe this was for real for once. And um, so she moved out there. And so, so God began to rebuild my family. I still have my family today, 27 years. That's a God thing. Um, got three awesome kids. And um, so, so anyhow, as God began uh, 
to change my life. But this is the one thing, and this is the point that I want to make, is that, you know, I made a commitment to God that I would begin to read his word. And I began to read his word. And sometimes it would be one scripture. I eventually got to where I was running the hay department. And here's this guy that could not be trusted to walk across the street. And, and I'm running. Uh, they had 125 acres of hay, and, and I have the checkbook in my hand. And, and it, it amazes me that when you make a commitment to God and you mean it, that he begins to do a work in your life. It's the word of God that has the power. It's the word of God that, that that's what we hinge all this stuff on. And it's just and it's the truth that you know, and it's the truth that you uh, that you take on. Because I can stand up here and share all this, and hopefully it moves you to where you realize that you know what it is the word of God that changes our life. But I made that commitment to God, and and sometimes I'd I'd be, work all day long, and I come in, I'd forget. And I'd be sleeping and be like, oh, I, mean, I made a commitment to God. I was going to read my word. I'd open it up, and I'd at least read his scripture. And, and I never had an issue the whole time that I was there. For three years, never got in any trouble. And that was amazing for me. So this is the thing is, is we got to make a commitment to God. And, and, and the point of my whole message this morning is, is you know, you're as close to God as you want to be. You are as close to God as you've decided to be. Close is a choice. Your relationship with God is an absolute choice. And, you know, it might, you know, maybe ruffle your feathers a little bit, but I'm telling you, if, if your life is jacked up, it is because you have not taken the word of God and, and meditated on it and decided that this is how I'm going to live my life, regardless of what it looks like on the outside. And as I begin, as I begin to read the word, God just began to change me from the inside out. And that's what has happened at the beginning of this year. I made that commitment to God that, God, I'm going to get back into your word, and I'm going to study, and, God, I'm going to pursue you. I have refocused my focus, and God is changing me from the inside out. And there's a fire that's stirring in me that when, when, <clears throat> when we, gosh, i got to get moving. When we, at this ranch, we would go, and, and we would have uh, fundraiser banquets. And they would have different people from the ranch come and give their testimony. And, and they needed this money to raise funds, you know, to keep this ranch going. So they would always, uh, they'd have a couple people, they'd say, bring Todd. They called me the weeper. Because this is the thing, God had so changed my life. Then when I talked about it, I couldn't help. I am so thankful. For what God has done for me. I don't deserve it. None of us deserve it. And I tell you what, if, if when you think about the goodness of God, if it does not move you, do you really know who God is? Do you really understand what it is that he wants to do with your life? That he has a purpose and a plan for you. And... um. You know, we stand up here and worship, and I hear it said that, um, you know, you can worship God however you want, and there doesn't have to be, but I don't know how. If God has really, if you really know who God is, how you can stand here when, when these guys play these instruments and, and when we're singing about the goodness of God. I don't know how you can stand here and not lift your hands and say, God, Thank you for the debt that you paid for me and the life that you've raised from the dead. 
How can you? I don't know how. I can't just stand here and go, yeah, good God. Because God has done something in me, and he's relighting that fire right now. And, you know, you guys can just come to church and watch me burn because there's some change going on in here. I believe that there's revival that's supposed to be breaking out in this house. But, you know, it ain't going to start until it, it breaks out in each one of us individually. Because it's our individual relationship with God that, that kindles that fire and that causes us to be who we're supposed to be. And now we're moving, we moved on from the Focus Your Focus to this new series called The One. This is something, this is the second time we've done it. The One. And I'm telling you, as you get your relationship with God in the place where it's supposed to be, your concern about the others and your concern about the one, it just goes up and up and up. And at the beginning of this year, I also started building a house. And, um, and what I've learned is through this whole process, you know, it's, there's more to it than building a house. It gave me the opportunity to in, invite the guy that's building my house to church, and now he's become a part of this body. Um, the guy that works for him that's a foreman, I got to, to share a part of my life, and, and maybe they saw something in me that I don't know why, but he's coming to church here too. It's not about them just coming to church, but it's the fact that my life is impacting people outside of this house. That my life has the opportunity, I have the opportunity to share what God has done for me and how God has changed my life. And so now I'm going to get into actually my sermon. Um, but, um, you know, and, and this thing, I'm a simple guy. You know, I'm not, it's obviously I'm not no theologian. And, uh, but I've just taken the stuff that pastor preaches. It's just real practical. This is the thing that attached me to my pastor was that, it, man, serving God, he just turned it into a normal thing. I thought that God was here and I was here and it was like, and, and it's just not, it's taken the, the, it's taken the word of God and just applying it to my life in a practical way. Listening to the word, hearing the word, studying the word and allowing it to change my life, and then applying it in everyday stuff. You know, I'm a simple guy. Steak, potatoes, no vegetables. Can I get an amen out there? Rod, I know Rod will amen me. You know, I like broccoli if there's a big bowl of cheese, and you can just cram that in there, and it's good for dipping the cheese out. But other than that, I ain't eating broccoli. So, so you know, and this is the thing, is, is you know, I was saved as a, as a young man, as a kid. I was saved believe that. But at 25, I made a commitment to God. And that's when my life really began to change. So my challenge to you today is how, you know, you're as close as God to God as, as you've, as you want to be. And, and this is what I think we need to do, um, is we need to become best friends with God. We need to become best friends with God. We need to make him our best friend. And and the way we do this is at the beginning of the year, uh, you know, back in February, pastor was, was preaching and, and there was some scripture that he brought up and it's stuff that I'd heard and heard and heard. And, but the point that he made, it's in Exodus, put that up for me, Glenn. And it was when Moses was, was looking at the burning bush. Do you guys remember when he was teaching on that? And I, I haven't been able to forget about that thing because this is the thing is when pastors teach us something, I'm trying to, to, I take it home, the measure of thought and study you put into the truth you hear. And this just stuck out to me. He says, then Moses said, I will turn aside and see this great sight. 
And this is what I've decided to do. I've decided to turn and take a look at what God wants to do in my life. Why the bush does not burn. The next verse. So when the Lord saw that he turned aside to look, God called him from the midst of the bush and said, Moses, Moses. And he said, here I am. God is looking for a church. You know what I'm talking? There's, there might be some people in here today that are not saved. But really, this, this really, my heart is for people that live in church. See, because I was raised in church and didn't know God. I have a heart for the lost. I absolutely want to see. Um, there's some people in here that, that I met just through church, and I've watched God change their lives, and it is amazing. But I also see a lot of people that go to church, and they're just a bunch of fakers. You know, if you come to church here and the only time that you pick up the Word of God is in here, or in, in here, you don't even have to pick it up. You can just read it off the thing, and you don't even have to be responsible for bringing a Bible. But if this is the only place that you're getting Word, I don't know how to say it nice. But, loser. That's all you've got to look forward to. Because the word that we share in here is not enough. It's not enough. It, and if that's the Christian life you want to live, I mean, dang, what a waste of time. Because God's got some great things for us. So, bless your hearts. Um, so, and then, then the next scripture I want to, Jeremiah twenty nine eleven. How many of you guys have heard that? See, I'm just bringing familiar stuff. See, I have, a heart, I have the same heart as my pastor. And so I'm just here to, to just reinforce the things that he teaches i don't have no new special insight into the word some something so but i'm gonna i'm just here to share this is what i've taken into my life but i love i love it in the message says i know what i'm doing i have it all planned out plans to take care of you not abandon you plans to give you the future you hope for and this is the key part of this that's all awesome that is the plan that god has for your life but what's the next verse say when you call on me when you Pray to me, I'll listen. When you come looking for me, you'll find me. When you get serious about finding me and want more than anything else, I'll make sure you won't be disappointed. This is God's decree to you. But there's a whole lot more yous in that scripture than, than there are eyes. Because God knows the plan that he has for you. But do you know what the plan God has for you? Plans for a hope and a future? Yeah, he has a plan for a hope and a future for you. But you are you're connected to that. There is some stuff that we're called to do as, as believers. And, and so my heart is going out to people that are in the church right now. Because, man, we're, we're playing church. I've, I, there's some areas in my life where, man, I have got to get connected to God because I know how to, I know how to fake it. And that's, sometimes that's not a good thing because then you don't deal with the things that really that you should be dealing with in your life because you, you can fake your way through it. You can look like people want you to look and you can say what people expect you to say. So we need to become best friends with God. And these are just simple things that, you know, simple things that I'm applying to my life. And I think it's through constant conversation, constant conversation with God. Not just attending church once a week or having daily quiet time. Friendship with God is built by sharing all your life experience with him. Those things are a part, 
but God wants more than an appointment in your schedule. You know what? It is vital that you spend, because th- see, this is the, the victory that I'm experiencing in my life and the closest I'm experiencing with God is coming from the times I'm spending with him alone. And that's, that's good in the scheduled time where, you know, Kelly and I get up in the mornings and we do devotions together every morning. We have coffee, and then she goes back to bed, and I go to work. But um, So um, you're awesome, babe. I'm just teasing. And, um, but we get up. Uh, usually I roll over in bed, and I just begin to pray. My, my, my conversation with God starts then. And, and for those of you that, that know us a little bit more close, you know, we, we have some issues in our lives. I am not perfect. I know you guys really thought I was, but... Um, we're believing God for some things in our life right now. We have some health is an issue in our lives. I believe that God's a healer. You know, my mom got cancer when I was a kid, and it made me angry with God. I don't know if I told you guys that or not. But she got cancer. It's been 22 or 23 years ago. She's still alive today. I know that God heals. So every morning I'm getting up, and I am just begin to speak the word of God over my family and over my wife and over the fact that we need some health in our house. And I believe that if we will continue in the word of God and confess the word of God over health, over sickness, over disease, you know, the same spirit that raised Jesus Christ from the dead is the same spirit that's living in us. And it's given life and health to our mortal bodies. You know, and so we're doing that. And then we're doing our devotions. But what do we do during the day? Then when I leave the house, do I take, do, when, when problems come, when challenges come on the job, you know, last night I used Chris when Rod makes me mad at work. You know, how, how do I deal with that? Do I say, you know what, God, this is, this is, you know, this is in your hands. God, you have given me strength for all things. I'm ready for and equal to anything that comes my way. Through Christ who's infusing me with strength. Why? Because I seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, his way of doing and being right. Therefore, all these other things are added unto my life. When those things come up in our life, do we know enough word that we can stand there and and, and quote the word of God, and I'm getting ahead of myself. So God wants to be included in every conversation, every activity, every problem, every thought. Praying without ceasing means talking with God while shopping, driving, working, in our everyday living. Let's look at Romans 12, 1 and 2. You guys have heard this scripture and seen it, but man, I love, I refer to this scripture and look at this scripture continually. So here's what I want you to do. Because I want to live a life that's pleasing to God. I don't want to just be a church guy. I want the, the word of God to be effectual in my life all the time. I want to live God life. Take your everyday ordinary life. You're eating, you're sleeping. Oops, you're sleeping, you're eating, you're going to work and walking around life and place it, as a, uh, place it before God as an offering. Embracing what God does for you is the best thing that you can do for him. Guys, this is not rocket science. You know, it's not rocket science. It, it really isn't. This is practical stuff that if we'll just take this and take the time to give God some, a, a place in our life, that he'll begin to do this stuff. And, and this is something that for me, that we don't need to get away from our daily routine in order to pray and worship God. We need to learn to practice his presence all the time. You know, don't wait for a special retreat or an event to make it your lifestyle. This is God's idea. And, and this is my challenge to men in here. You know what? We go to man camp every year. Woo-hoo. Man camp is awesome. And the spirit of God and the presence of God is moving there. 
But if that's what you're living your life for as a man to get to man camp and, and God does some stuff in me and then I go home to the same life I was living, if there's things in your life, uh, in your family's lives, if your family is being challenged right now, it's probably because you're not taking your place as a man of God in your house. The home I was raised in, my mom was a spiritual leader. And it, it doesn't work. And if I want victory in my house, I'm going to have to take the place as a man of God in my family's life. And it's up to me to stand up there and say, I am ready for and equal to. I put my entire trust in the master Jesus so I can live the way I was meant to and my house too. That's what God says. So if you're a man, be the spiritual leader in your home. Amen? I need to hear some deep amen, sir. Amen. So I hope I'm not hurting your feelings. Um, you know, Adam and Eve, you know, in the garden, that was, um, don't laugh. Last night I almost said Adam and Steve, and that doesn't work. Um, uh, but, you know, God was with them all the time. It was their lifestyle. It wasn't an event. This is the thing is, I do not want my life to be, when God shows up in my life, it's an event. You know, for a lot of us, man, we're waiting for a miracle. And, man, if God would just show up in my life right now, whew, we could have a party. No, I just want God to be in my life, to just be normal, everyday stuff. That I'm walking and talking with God and that, that in the middle of my problem, that isn't where I decide that I'm going to look to God for my guidance and my strength. It's beforehand. It's just, this is just my lifestyle. I'm listening to the voice of God. I'm living a spirit-led life. That's the way I want my life to be. I do not want God showing up to be a woo-hoo. I mean, I do. You know what I'm saying? Because when he does, it is awesome. But I don't want it to be like it's not normal life. I want normal life to be God in my life. God guiding me. God directing me. Practicing the presence of God is a skill, a habit you can develop. We must train our minds to remember God. Make reminders. You know, I have to make reminders. The monks in the monasteries, what did they do? They have like a chime or, you know, or a bell, you know what I mean? Every hour, there's a chime that goes off that reminds them to pray. If the monks have to do it, we probably could, you know, it, it, we, man, we've got to grow ourselves in this area. It's so easy as I'm going through my day and something comes up, it is so easy for me to begin to work on this thing by myself. And then when I'm halfway through it and it's all screwed up, then I remember, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, God. Oh, that's right. God can change this whole thing. And if I would have talked to him first, I probably wouldn't be here. Amen? So develop that. The second thing, continual meditation. Everybody put your fingers together like this? Not really. Um, the second way to work on friendship with God is by thinking about his word throughout your day. The Bible repeatedly tells us to meditate on who God is, what he has done, and what he said. This is the thing. You can't love God unless you know him. You can't know God unless you know his word. I don't care. There, there is no other way to know God except through his word. It's the only way. It's the only way to know God. Meditation is often misunderstood as a difficult ritual, at least for me. And, and this is, I think, so medita meditation is simply focused thinking. How often during the day do we just, you know, Think, man, thinking's hard work. You know? You know what I'm saying? How, much, how often do we just go through life just like, you know, 
Here I go again on my own. Um, uh, that's a Christian song, by the way. Um, it, it's a skill that anyone can learn. Listen to this. When you think about a problem over and over in your mind, that's called worry. Can we agree on that? When you think about God's word over and over in your mind, that's meditation. You can meditate. If you know how to worry, you already know how to meditate. We just need to refocus our focus from old to new, from problem to the word. Guys, this is simple. When you start looking at the problem in front of you, what do, you do you describe the problem? And do you stay in that or do you go to the word? I don't care what it looks like in front of you. You begin to describe the word to that. You begin to speak God's word over it, and it will change. I don't know if there's a book that's been going around the church. It's called Quantum Faith. If you get a chance to read that little skinny book, I even have one. And, and they've proven, you know, a lot of things that used to take faith to believe for, they've already proven scientifically that, that everything is made up of atoms and that the vibrations from your voice has the ability to change an inanimate object because that thing really is, it's, it's all stuck together by frequency and that our voice can change physical matter. It takes time. It's not even faith. It's just the way the world was created. God created the world with his voice. You can change your life with this. This filled with the word of God, not the word of Todd. Sometimes I have to remind people, I'm just Todd, not God. But, but this is, this is, this, and when I read this, it was like, wow. Prayer lets you speak to God. Meditation lets God speak to you. So if we're not spending any time meditating on God's word, how can God possibly be speaking to us? We meditate the word. We get a scripture. I'll, sometimes I'll have one scripture, and I will just quote that scripture over and over and over and over and over through the day. And it begins to work. So in closing this morning, I'm actually doing better than I did last night. Um, today we're as close to God as we choose to be. In James 4, 8, it says, draw close to God, and God will draw close to you. So, you know, guys, we've got to take that step. We have got to decide, make a commitment to God. That God, I'm going to get into your word, and I'm going to make it a part of my life. I want God life to be my life. There's nothing, absolutely nothing more important than developing a friendship with God. It's a relationship that will last forever, ever. Paul told Timothy in Timothy 6, said, Some of these people have missed the most important thing in life. They don't know God. And so what I want to ask you this morning is, is, you know what, are you missing the most important thing in life? Is success and, and all that stuff, is that really what we're after? Because the, the scripture that comes to my mind when I start thinking about stuff, and I start thinking about being successful, and I think about um, the things that I want to do and the, the places I want to go and all that stuff, is seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Seek first the kingdom of God, his way of doing and being right. And I'm a living testimony that if we'll seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, that all the rest of the stuff that we think so, is so important, relationships, people in our lives that we want to see change, it all starts with us. It all starts with our relationship with God. Are you missing out on the most important thing in life, and that's your relationship with God? 
Getting saved is one thing, but building a relationship is another. So my challenge today to you is, is you can do something about it starting right now. You're as close to God as you choose to be. Close is a choice. What are you going to do about it? What are you going to do about it? Let's close our eyes this morning. God, we just thank you. We thank you for your word, God. We thank you that it has the ability to change us. But God, we just want to make a commitment to you this morning. God, a commitment to you. You've made a commitment to us that you will produce what you promise when we do what you say. So God, we just want to, we want to, we want to commit to you this morning that our relationship with you is going to change. God, stir us up. Stir us up on the inside. So this morning before we leave, before we close, um, you know, I just want to get every head bowed, every eye closed. I just want to give, if there's anybody in here this morning that you've never made Jesus Christ Lord of your life, I want to make sure that I give you the opportunity to do that because it works. It absolutely works. It ain't easy, and it don't happen instantly as far as a change in your life, but God accepting you as a child happens instantly. And it just comes through through uh, making Jesus Christ Lord of your life. So is there anybody in here this morning not going to call you out, not going to make you stand up, not going to embarrass you in front of anybody, but just want to acknowledge, just want to pray for you this morning. Everybody in here is going to say a prayer together. Is there anybody? Awesome. That means I was preaching to the right crowd this morning. Because this message really was for people who say that they're believers, who say that we love God, who say that we trust God. So this morning, I just want to pray for you. God, we just thank you, God. I thank you that we are in a room full of people who have made you Lord of their life through a prayer. But God, we know it goes way, way beyond that. That's just the first step. So God, I just pray that something that was said, something that was shared here this morning, that your voice was heard and that, that this body is challenged in, their, in the area of how close they are to you, that they're challenged in, in what place you have in their lives through their regular everyday stuff. So God, I just, I just, I just, I just say we put our entire trust in the master Jesus today so that we can live the way we were meant to in our whole household too. God, I thank you that this body is ready for anything that comes their way through Christ who's infusing them with an inner strength. I thank you, Lord, that as we leave this place today, we're going to remember and we're going to think about, well, you know, what is my commitment to God? And am I really seeking him first and his way of doing being right? Or am I trying to do it my own way? So God, speak to our hearts as we go. We love you, we trust you, and we want to be closer to you today. So we give you praise and thanks in the mighty name of Jesus. And all the believers said, amen.